Welcome back to Impact Izone, the men's basketball podcast here on Impact 89FM. I'm your host, Michael Markach, alongside my beat members, as always, every single week, Brennan Shabath, Luca Maloney. How are we doing on this fine Thursday? What gentlemen? is up, bro? We've had good weather today. Like, it was weird because I, I mean, woke... it's pouring rain right now. Yeah, but that's what, I, that's, what I'm, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's like it's been... It's been snow on a day like today for the past two, three months. So to have rain and like it be like near forty was like so nice this morning. Waking up, driving to class, I put a, I have a classic rain song. It's it's a it's a fantastic song. Breeze blocks by Alt J, is oh a is a is a song that you must play anytime it rains. And I listened to that on the way to class, and it, it's just been a great day because of that song. Yeah, I mean, after I got out of my last class of the day at around 2 o'clock, it was actually really nice. It was, it felt kind of warm. It wasn't raining. There was a little bit of sun out just before. And then I walked back to my house. And then I leave my apartment, and it's pouring down rain again. Yeah. So. I'm still here for the rain, though. It's better than the snow. I'll take it. I can agree. Yeah, true. I don't have to shovel my my car out of the driveway. Exactly. (laughs) Always. Well, for Michigan State, it's been a good couple of days as well. Obviously, coming off that win against Maryland a couple nights ago, 63-58. to I guess what were your guys' some of your takeaways from that game? Obviously, we saw Joey Hauser get some some of his confidence back. Twenty points in that game. Tyson Walker seventeen. AJ Hogard had a impressive eight point performance with a career high ten rebounds. <laughs> if, if anyone can have an impressive eight point performance, yeah, that's what it was. It had to be AJ. Yeah. But overall, just I guess what were your takeaways from the win the other night that maybe came a little bit unexpected to some people, and I think maybe including us. Yeah, I think a weird thing about this game, I mean, obviously the weird thing was they were up 15 nothing at one point and only won by... To start the game, 15-0. Yeah, and only exactly. won by five. Um, so that's weird in and of itself. But one thing that I noticed was like talking to everybody and looking on Twitter and stuff, people were like, oh, this is a red-hot Maryland team. You know, they're so good. And I'm like, okay, they won four in a row and six of eight, and they only lost to Purdue by one. But like... <laughs> I just didn't think Maryland was that good. And sure, they won four in a row, but all at home except for the one against Minnesota. They're terrible on the road, so that performance was not a huge surprise to me. The fact that Maryland played poorly to start the game and shot the ball poorly was no shock. So for for fans and people to be like, oh, you know, they they took down a really good Maryland team and a red-hot team, like, Yes and no, like they did, and that's a big win, and it probably goes in as, as a quad one when the season's all over, um, which I believe is the fourth for Michigan State this year, but two different teams. I mean, they score 15 less points a game on the road than they do at home. That's that's astonishing. Like, it's understandable to be bad on the road in the Big Ten, and as always talks about it, you hope to go 500 and maybe steal a win or two beyond that, but they have been wretched, dude. And so, you know, it's it's hard to... Give a ton of props to Michigan State when Maryland just shoots really poorly and gets down fifteen nothing to start. Exactly, and Michigan State for me got lucky because Maryland started to figure things out midway through that second half, and it took them a while to get to that point. I mean, in the second half alone, shot forty eight percent from the field compared to their thirty percent to start the half to start the first half. I mean, for Michigan State, you kind of escaped this one with like a scratch, if anything, and it, it did turn a little um a little chippy at times, a little tight. You saw players get a little bit more physical, and you like that reaction from especially the Michigan State guys that have been bullied for the last two to three weeks with bigger guys. They finally got a chance to really show off some of that strength. I'm assuming those days of practice and you know those six days off, you know, really got to rest their legs because they looked active. Especially the faster players on this team, Tyson, Jaden, 
they looked very fast on the court, and you'd like to see that going into what is now the final stretch of the season. Well, that's the thing, too, that you mentioned is, like, you know, this is a good win for Michigan State, and they escape with a scratch, but part of the reason they won this game is Maryland is long and athletic and fast, but they're not big, and they didn't get bullied because they don't have a big. You know, And their one big got in serious foul trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a bunch of guys in foul trouble. Yeah. And Dante Scott, so obviously, he's, <laughs> he's the heart and soul of their team, and he's their biggest guy. Um, and that's not – Dante Scott is About not, the same size as Mahdi. Yeah, m- more so Malik, I think. Yeah. I think he's even smaller than Mahdi. So, you know, the fact that Michigan State beat a team without a center doesn't say much to me based on our conversation last week where – you know, you have a center. Yeah, like, they, they don't, and you can't not have a center in in this Big Ten league and, and expect to be successful within the league. Maybe it works out in the tournament for them when they face different teams. But all around college basketball, the best conferences are built on size. It seems like in this current day and age, and Michigan State doesn't have that, so it's understandable that they pick up a win against a team without a center. They 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 probably have to breathe a sigh of relief being out there, like, oh, thank God, there's not some six eleven tower dude just down there posting up the whole game. like It was very yeah, it, different. It was, fa- it was a fair matchup in terms of size. Yeah, and I think overall that game to me felt very similar to that Rutgers win like a few weeks ago. Not in the sense of the margin was definitely bigger against Rutgers, but after the 15-0 start, which is going to sound dumb, obviously, because it was the 15-0 start, Maryland outscored it by 10. Yeah. And it, they outplayed them, I think, after that first portion of the game, but that's kind of what allowed Michigan State to come back. But you look at Maryland, three of twenty-two from three. Michigan State was nine of twenty. Like that's the ball game. Right I, there. I think. I think it was Matt Merrifield, women's basketball beat reporter here at Impact, um, an avid his own member behind the away team bench at every single game, chirping the the opposing players, who sent a text in, in in a group chat after the game, and I haven't confirmed this, but I believe it to be true. The last three games, opponents and the Breslin Center are. 8 of 56 from deep. Now that is, in part, credit to Michigan State's three-point defense. It is It was really good last year, the best in the Big Ten, and it's the best in the Big Ten this year, statistically. But a part of three-point defense is just makes and misses for the other team. And you think about the Rutgers game. They got really good looks and just missed some. Maryland got a couple good looks last night and just missed some. Iowa had good looks and didn't make any shots. So, yes, Michigan State does defend well on the perimeter, above average, but they are benefactors of some good luck at home lately on off-shooting nights from some of these other teams. Yeah, I don't know if it's the death perception behind the Breslin uh, Nets, but you're right, Brendan. There is that trend of three-point shooting that teams can defend, but at the same time, I don't think Michigan State has gone up against a a three-point shooting team that is just elite as well. I think Rutgers might have been the closest. And even, even when Purdue, and even sorry, then they weren't great from beyond the line. Yeah. Even when Purdue was in town, Purdue was Purdue, Purdue did was not awful. shoot well. I think Iowa was probably the best three point shooting team on the season that they faced. Yeah. And sure enough, an off night. I mean, Iowa also doesn't shoot away from home. Like yeah. they've played a bunch of teams who, at home, really good, do a lot of good things. And Michigan State kind of falls under that category too. Michigan State hasn't really won on the road at all either. I mean, that Penn State Especially win. Especially as of late. Yeah, you know, but after that Penn State win, they, they really haven't done anything on the road. Um, they've come close against Indiana. They got that one win against Wisconsin. Yeah, and Wisconsin has had a completely middle of the pack season. Yeah. Um, so it's the whole middle of the Big Ten. I mean, we're just kind of ad nauseum repeating, 
just like a broken record. The whole middle of the Big Ten is just like they're all the same team, and it's just who's going to pick up an extra win or two and find themselves in a top four spot instead of playing on the first day. Yeah, right. You, it's like the same team but in different jerseys. Right, really. exactly. <laughs> well, you looked at the standings before the game for Maryland when I was doing my prep, and some had Maryland up at about the four spot just due to I, whether it was home record or away record. I don't know something like that. But um, then all of a sudden they lose, and they're down to like, you know, Ninth or something. Well, like, it was a it's six-way tie for loss. third or whatever know, so it was. It's like, but they had Maryland like ahead of those teams, and all of a sudden they're like near the bottom. It's it, it, it can switch at any point. And that's what we talked about last week too of Michigan State trying to bank some wins here coming down the stretch. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of games at the Breslin Center coming up. But I mean, they got a road stretch still coming up. Two games next week, starting on Sunday at Ohio State and at Michigan on Saturday. Two places they don't play particularly well. Obviously, you have to win one of those. We're going to talk about yeah. the Ohio, obviously we're going to break down Ohio State here coming up, but that like they don't play well in either one of those two buildings, and you kind of feel like they should win both games with kind of how each of those other two teams are having their season. Well, considering the luck, the, well, the bad luck that they've had over at Michigan at the Chrysler Center, they should be able to pick up this win against Ohio State and then hope for the best against Michigan because they just don't have the luck over there in the in recent history, you know. It's been what four or five years in a long time since they yeah, picked up anything. Twenty eighteen. I think it was twenty eighteen. Yeah, and that might have been nineteen. I know. I think it was a Cassius Winston team that last won at the Breslin's or not at Breslin. Well, yeah, but I think it was nine. I'm not sure. It's one of those since Juwan Howard got yeah, there. Nobody has yeah. won on the road in that yeah, rivalry. In well, that leads us into another topic here. As we'll we'll talk about obviously the Ohio State game coming up. Michigan. We'll we'll discuss more in-depth next week on the show. But this is something that I think Brendan and I pointed out during the broadcast, and it's something that I wanted to hit on once again to just kind of get more in-depth on, and it's Michigan State's depth. Um, they seem to have a depth problem. Tom Izzo continues to say how he hates playing Joey Hauser so many minutes. He hates playing Tyson Walker so many minutes. AJ Malik is playing a ton of minutes. Um, but he's saying how he has no choice because you kind of look at who's coming in off the bench – Thomas was only going about nine deep off the bench, and they're just not producing, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, even nine deep is kind of generous. I mean, yeah. that's that's including Carson Cooper and Jackson Kohler, who usually combine for maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, you know, so they're, they're one. Those are breathers for, you know, just Joey Hauser and Mati Sissoko and Malik Hall. You know, it's a drink of water, relace the shoes, and back on the court. Exactly. It's so Same with Holloman's minutes, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, perfect point. Um, so, I mean, with that in mind... How deep does Michigan State go? Six? Seven? I, I mean, I, I, Hall can, comes up. Brooks Brooks has had significantly reduced minutes, yeah. too. Brooks is playing he doesn't, maybe he gets eight probably, minutes a night. He doesn't he count. Two, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think Brooks counts anymore. I mean, the starters, Hogarth, Hauser, Walker, If anything, Holloman's Aikens always first Sissoko. off the Yeah, Holloman and it's Malik either, Hall right yeah. now are first off the bench. With Jackson Kohler sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean, th- this, is a, this team is six deep. It's their starters in Malik Hall. Beyond that, you can't really expect production from anybody. Trey Holloman, Jackson Kohler, Pierre Brooks, Carson Cooper, none of those guys really count as a consistent body on the floor so much that it matters at all. Yeah. And Kohler's had a good game like, here and there. Not, those Holloman, aren't players maybe. That, um, that Tom Izzo's going to scratch his head and say, do I pull him off the court right now? Because not, he, he, has to, he, he doesn't hesitate on those. They're not guys that Tom would trust. And that's not to speak ill of them. They're just not there. They're yet. not experienced. They're all so young. you guys yeah. think this is more of a this this depth problem that we're seeing? It's just more of an experience thing rather than a 
talent standpoint. You know what the issue is? Is the issue is they didn't go add anybody in the goddamn transfer portal who might be good on this team off and maybe be another role player. I, they could have added a starting center and let Marty come off the bench. He was yeah. so used to Marty would have been a great bench center. Marty yeah. going against the second string of some other teams would be really good. But they didn't go add anybody, and now they have this depth issue, and now they've got to play Marty 28 minutes and Joey 33 and Hogard 33 and Walker 35. Like, you don't, you know, and Malik Hall's hurt. Yeah, especially after losing uh, Max Christie last year, too. You don't get a guy off the bench that could be a three-level scorer. Yeah, I mean, Christie... At least not consistent. Christie probably would have been a starter and one of the best players on this team had he stayed, um, which that leads to an interesting conversation. Who is takes a back seat to him that's currently in the starting five you have to imagine it's Aikens Aikens right? probably never starts if Christie was, Christy was here yeah Aikens would be next year NBA level talent yeah but um and again imagine like Aikens you can't do anything about Christie Aikens and Sissoko off the bench Christie and a transfer center in the starting lineup like that this would be a good team, but they're just And it may take not. a little bit of the pressure off Pierre Brooks, too, and maybe he's having a better year. I mean, it, obviously you can't assume the double play. But, yeah, I mean, there's right. a lot of an- unanswered questions here that we're not going to find out the answer to, but essentially the point is is that, yes, depth Go to is, the transfer portal. Depth is not good enough for a balance of being too young and also lack of talent off the bench. You want to know my thing? My thing with the portal? You can hate it all you want, Tom. You can be upset by it and say it's ruining the game of college basketball, but you cannot deny, and we've talked about this a little bit, the effect it has had on your own players and arguably his two favorite guys, Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker. Tyson cried after they lost to Duke in the press conference because he wouldn't have had this opportunity had he been at Northeastern to be on this big stage at this fantastic tournament um, and playing for something meaningful. Meaningful, And Joey Hauser has had one of the greatest character arcs of anybody since leaving Marquette. I mean, he got dunked on by John Morant at Marquette in the NCAA tournament and it looked like his basketball career might be over. And he got here and it didn't turn around for two years and now he's one of Michigan State's best players. So to just like blatantly ignore that when he goes on these transfer portal rants just makes me so I just want to ask him like, do do you not see Tyson Walker out there on the floor? He's your best offensive player and he comes from a damn near D2 school in Northeastern. But because of the transfer portal, he has an opportunity to play in the best conference in college basketball, arguably, and be one of the best scorers. But no, the transfer portal is ruining college basketball, and it's hurting the players, and blah, 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 And he even blah, talks blah. about Walker's like worth, work ethic and how he's the, one, well, the yeah, hardest I mean, working player on the team. Imagine you put a player like that in a near Division two school, like Brendan said, and you put him around the best coaches, the best facilities, and the best space for him to get real minutes at the elite level of college basketball, you're producing talent after talent after talent. And you know what he's done now is that at this point he has ridiculed on the record publicly the transfer portal so much that when he does have to succumb to the fact of either retire or go to the portal to keep being successful um, or end your career, when he does elect to go to the portal, if that's the decision he makes, he'll be looked at as a hypocrite. And there's nothing he can do about it. That's just the way the cookie has crumbled and how he set it up. So I just wish he went to the portal last year and just grew if up. There was, yeah, if there was the ever a year, of college basketball. 
if there was ever a year that you needed to just buck up and like go for a guy immediately off the portal, it was that. It was look at last Michi- summer. Look at Michigan State football. Now last season doesn't count, but the yeah. season before, yeah. they go hit the transfer portal and get the best running back in college football. So He's now killing it in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. So to put some numbers on what we've just been talking about about the death problem, seven bench points against Maryland two nights ago. That's absurd. You know who scored all seven of those points? Don't tell Millie Call. Yes. Yeah. So. Malik Hall, who's a de facto starter, as right. we just said, scored all seven bench points, and the rest were all out of the starting lineup. Which is not a surprise. I'm not yeah, like yeah, it, it I wouldn't have sh- guessed anybody else scored <laughs> Trey Holloman or Jackson. Co- no, you know, like it's just it just goes to show not only that there is not depth and that they have six guys, but the drop off, man. Yeah, I mean, a month ago, not a month, two months ago, we would have said we would have been surprised to not see Pierre Brooks maybe score right, but at this point. It's Malik Hall, and then he's the last line of defense. And, and maybe you get a, a fast break n- with Trey Holloman. Right. I want to go back and look at the the stats, points, rebounds, assists totals for those four after Malik Hall. It's probably a total of like five. You know, Holloman probably got a couple assists. There's probably one or two rebounds for Kohler or Cooper, and then that's it. I think Brooks, Brooks. if you add in turnovers, they might get up to seven with Pierre Brooks. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pull up that number right now. We're gonna, we're gonna. Try no, to but like, if you told me on Tuesday night, uh, and I imagine I wasn't there, I didn't watch that game. You told me Trey Holloman had four points. I would say, oh shoot, he went to the line twice. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's that kind of Trey Holloman got fouled twice. <laughs> I know it's just you see very rarely those guys score off the bench anymore, and I don't know what has to happen. Okay, here we go on the bench. Against Maryland, we had seven points. Those were all Malik Hall. So disregarding Malik Hall's points, rebounds, assists. So what we're we getting have? rid of Malik Hall. Yeah, he so doesn't count. Only three bench players played in the entire game. Jackson, Kohler, Holland, and, and Brooks. Brooks Cooper, Cooper never play. came yeah. in. So between so, those Cooper, three. Cooper getting in and Cooper not coming in, points, rebounds, assists-wise, is the same. So now, You know what also <laughs> shocks me? Cooper not coming in in a game where he might have a size advantage. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> okay, here you go. Where he might like, have a half a head. <laughs> Total rebounds, four. Wow. Two for Kohler, and then one each for Holloman and Brooks. Okay, that makes sense. Assist, zero. Oh. The only assist off the So we hit really the cold. under. And so I said five, because no uh, points either. Steals, none. Blocks, none. Turnovers, one. Pierre Brooks. Jackson Kohler. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Um, I think Brooks had, oh, Brooks had a de facto turnover when he airballed. And combined yeah. from the floor, they were 0 for 4. Pierre Brooks had two threes. Holloman didn't talk about put no, up a shot. Talk about no depth. Wow, that's what the bench I, situation I'm this, was. I'm the other this night. close to releasing uh, Brendan's high school mixtape, <laughs> so, so they can put him on this team. <laughs> I had a buzzer beater and a thirty point blowout in front of the student section. It was sick. I swear to God, you say the word. I hit on. one at the end of the third quarter. We won the game, but it was like it was. It's is the end of the third quarter. It wasn't cool. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, yeah. MSU has a depth problem, and I, I think we've laid it out as, as best as we can. Um, just just take a look at the box score, and it's not just the Maryland game. Go back to the last few weeks, going back to probably that Illinois game, and just look at the production that they've had off the bench, and it just hasn't been good enough. And that leads me into another discussion that I want to have, which is out of those six guys, maybe, when we've talked about it, when we talk about Michigan State, and there's no seemingly alpha necessarily on this team who would you say that is is it still Malik Hall I I could argue AJ's falling into that role but it it still doesn't seem like there's a true leader on this team because 
every single night it's just somebody different. Yeah, I would agree with AJ. I think he's the closest thing they have to a floor general and a floor leader who will demand um, certain things from his teammates and run the offense and uh, direct traffic. Um, and he's becoming their consistently best player. Um, when you add in beyond scoring, um, AJ does, I mean, a near triple-double against Maryland. That's enough in my book to be like, yeah, he's, I mean, he, and he's done that a bunch. It's, it's, he's averaging, what is it, 12, 5, and 6 or something, or 12, 5, and 4. Um, you know, those are really good numbers on this Michigan State team. You know, Tyson's at 14, 3, and 3. And Joey's at 10, 3, and 7, you know, whatever it is. So for, for, Hogard to be the player that he has become, I think definitely makes him the closest thing they have to that alpha kind of guy. He's not going to show up by putting points on the board in late-game situations like Tyson will or like Malik maybe, but um, I think he's the best player they have. No, I completely agree with Brendan. Um, AJ, and Tom has said it multiple times, AJ is the guy who... He'll either do things right, and if he does it wrong, he's the first one to take responsibility for it, and I think that's what a lot of players on this team also lack. And AJ shows a lot of emotion on the court, man. Um, he shows a lot. He gives a lot. He's constantly on the floor. He's working at you know close to 90%, 100%. And you can see the work ethic he has, and if there's one player you have to that you want on the floor at all times and the way the team plays better, it's always with uh, AJ on the court. And I think the best way to sum up just the way that AJ's grown is I, I think Tom Izzo did it himself after the game where they're asking him about the two free throws that AJ hit. Obviously, he's had his struggles late in games at the line. And I, they ran whatever that that inbounds play from the um, from the sideline and then getting AJ the ball. And then he said, well, last year AJ would have been throwing the ball in because there's right. no way in hell they would have had AJ Hogard even – they wouldn't have even risked him going to the free throw line. Right. No, no way. And he said, at least in this year now, he's one of the ones that they want to have the ball in this situation because they know he's going to step up and he's going to knock him down. Yeah, and exactly. And he had that game a couple uh, a couple matches ago where he got those two foul. He got, he got a foul right there at the end of the game. Goes up to the line, clanks it, <laughs> doesn't go Is in. That but, Iowa? Or? Yeah, I think that was the Iowa game. You know, just doesn't make those uh, yeah. those field goals late in games, and he's the first one, you know, off the bench to you know talk about it to accept the, the responsibility. And he goes out in the next game and makes his free throws. You know, uh, you know that's the kind of response you want to have from I think, from a teammate. I think he went out after the after Iowa the game, game right no, after he did. And was working on free yeah. throws. And I remember they were talking to Izzo. They said, "Yeah, we saw AJ out there shooting free throws." He's like, "Good, he should be. <laughs> like, he he better be out there." But nonetheless, I totally agree with both you guys. I just think he's. It's not necessarily just with this play, though, but it's vocally, too. And anytime they seem to have that big moment, it always seems to be... Hogard's always in the mix somehow, whether it's he knocks down the three or he makes a nice pass into the corner or at the end of the game when he heaves the ball 60 feet down the floor for a Malik Hall. Um, yeah, and there he definitely saw a white shirt. And Malik Hall's down there it. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, but you know what? It, it works. Yeah. And overall, that they're going to need more of that. I think Michigan State is in order to potentially go on a run. And as for going on a run, that's gets into our next segment. Brendan, I know you've spoken on it. I think, Luca, you've echoed this too, especially in games without Malik Hall, of how when Malik Hall doesn't play, this it doesn't count. None of the results count. But overall, I think if you take, if we zoom out a little bit and just look at this season as a whole, with the Aikens injury, with the Hall injury, with everything that this team's been through, it looks like they're, 
headed towards a similar exit to last year, probably a first weekend tournament exit. Does this season truly count? I mean, I think uh, like obviously it counts, you know. Well, but, obviously, yeah. Right, but I I get where you're going. I I think the the fact of the matter is is that Malik Hall's back now, and you can make the argument that he's a hundred percent. He's not a hundred percent. Whatever, it doesn't matter at this point. Is that he's playing on the floor? He's playing significant minutes. He is a de facto starter, not just because of how good he is at basketball, but because of the minutes he plays. And that he he's, he's in, in the first timeout. Well, he's also in there on the final seconds. He had the yeah. game winning assist to Jay Nakins. So. Um, Aikens is completely back to normal, I think. So you don't have to worry about him anymore. Um, in the regard of you know, I, I I think you just couldn't put as much stake into the results with the injuries, especially because a bunch of them were early in the year, mm-hmm. and then with the second one they became later, and it was like uh, it's hard to judge this team now. But I think we've gotten a good understanding of who this team is and judging them, and we've seen enough of. Decent performances and the big letdowns. The huge letdown at Indiana with the way they started that game and then they couldn't finish it. The whopping letdown against Purdue at Purdue uh, where they were never in that game. The letdown following the loss to Purdue at Madison Square Garden against Rutgers. That's a game they should have won. And to have all that time in between and lose that game with no energy and no offense. And like, when's the last time Michigan State scored above 65 points? I think the Indiana game when they had sixty nine. It would have to be right. Yeah. yeah, and and so they there's no offense on this team. It's on pace to be the worst offense Tom Izzo has ever had. Mm-hmm. And you know I spoke to some people about it, and they're, they they just run this motion offense, and then if that doesn't work and nothing's open, the plan is to just play. And the guys don't know how to just play. They just get a high ball screen, and then they don't know what to do from there. Um, and so. Can the season be salvaged? Obviously, like they've got however many games are left. You know, you can go on a run and win. You know, seven of these games, win seven in a row. They already won seven in a row once at, Maybe at this bank point in the couple season. In the tournament. Yeah, exactly. I I think this is a team who is good enough when they play well to get to the Sweet Sixteen. Get there. I don't expect them to be favored when in the play Sweet a Sixteen. Seed, yeah. I don't expect them to uh, win in the Sweet 16, I don't expect that it would be an upset to get to the Sweet 16. They'd have to upset either a two-seed or a one-seed, most likely, mm-hmm. um, with the way it's going right now. Now, again, if they rattle off you know, seven in a row, five of the last six, seven, seven yeah, they could be around the six or the five-seed, possibly. Um, but that also constitutes them being a top-30 team in the country. I mean, which, they could also fall, As of right now, they're not. They could also slide possibly to a 10 or 11 still, too. Yeah, and have a- to play absolutely. a 6 yeah, or a, I mean, a 7 right they're away. Right, they're right on the edge of the fence where they can go either way. Yeah, You would think with the schedule coming up, Indiana at home, Ohio State and Minnesota on the road, two Michigan bad teams, on the road. that there's at least three wins right there. Nebraska on the road should be a win. Michigan goes either way; it doesn't matter. Um, so there's should be three and Ohio State again. Ohio home. State, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. You Twice. end the se- yeah. you end the Big Ten season at Ohio State at the Breslin Center. That's I think there's I think there's win. three must wins, and you can pick your take your pick of the Ohio State games. I think you probably take the home game. They probably Nebraska on the road, Minnesota on the road. The just, rest are up for debate. They always seem to split against Ohio State. Yeah. So you'd have to think probably one of those they're going to fall. They always seem to split in the same way, too. Yeah, I know. It's like a 12-point win for either squad <laughs> at either arena, like yeah. at home, you know, yeah. which is just so strange. And but, then there's that one random time where they went on the road, and it's 
Yeah. I don't know the last time Ohio yeah. State won here, but but the, I I do think this this is eerily similar. It's just from a number standpoint in a games won and lost to last year and probably what they do in the NCAA tournament. Because, um, again, in the Big Ten tournament, I could also see them going back to the semifinal like they did last year. And I could also see them losing the first game. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I still think we're at a point now where a month ago, three games ago, we couldn't quite judge them without Malik Hall and he wasn't there. We're there now. The offense is bad. The defense is completely mediocre. And they cannot win on the road. And that's the team that they have. There's time to change it. They got a lot of time between this Maryland game and the Ohio State game. It's another long break that they have. Two long breaks in two weeks. Use it. Get better. Somehow. Find a way to get better. If they don't, it's just going to be like last year, and it's going to be a disappointing end. Yeah, to go off of Brendan, this schedule favors you to have a better outcome than a worse outcome. It really does. And if they don't take advantage of it, it's like, I don't know what to do. Um, do you, as if you're no, you're the part of the coaching staff, are you already looking forward to next season, calling this as best as you can and then moving on? But the problem with doing that is that it sets the standards when you have now elite talent coming in. Those standards are going to be raised, and you're going to have to live up to those standards and those expectations, mm-hmm. making it a jo- making it a job that's a lot harder for yourselves. And especially for the players that are coming back to this team. That's something that you have to take into consideration of how they finish this season. It's going to reflect a lot on the other side of how well they can perform next season. I mean, taking a look at the roster, I guess. I mean, almost everybody's probably coming back, right? I mean, Malik Hall's probably gone. Mm. Or does he use his final year? I could see Malik Hall not being I mean, satisfied. Tyson's probably going to go pro. You would think. I mean, define pro. NBA, he's going to leave Michigan State next Correct. year I'm, to pursue I'm, a bet bigger I opportunity. Think, correct me if I'm wrong. Joey's out of eligibility. Joey is out of eligibility. So him, yeah, and, Joe, him and Tyson have to go for sure. I think. Yeah, I think Tyson's out of here. Does Ho- does AJ stay? Yeah, I think yeah, he does. Yeah. AJ, stays. AJ so, stays and is the veteran leader yeah, they need. And I think with Aikens the young stays. freshman next year. Aikens for sure. Yeah, without stays. the injury, I don't know. I, I see. I think Aikens might want to play. Try to play a whole year. Uninjured, that's and what trying I mean. to raise that yeah. stock. I think I think he might have had plans to leave after this year yeah. without getting injured, and I think the same is probably for Malik Hall. And obviously, you're going to have the you know Holland, all the centers Kohler, are going to be back. Cooper, um, Sissoko, Pierre Brooks should be back if, gonna he, be another, if he stays. It's going to be like last year, just a log jam at center. Where they had Marble and Bingham and Sissoko and all these players down there. And, by the way, shout out Julius Marble. By the way, yeah. oh yeah, Julius big. Marble, a big master class. The other night against Auburn, twenty Phenomenal. against Auburn in a win. Refreshing. A and M's nine and two in the SEC. Come on, did you guys see like the mid range hook shot from like the yeah. free throw line? We, that he just we put saw up? plenty of those yeah. when he was here. We saw yeah. we saw a bunch of five for five, sixteen points on all hooks in a win for Michigan State when Marble was here. Yeah, so shout out Julius Marble. Happy to see him have a night like that. But back to just Michigan State. But you just look at that roster; they're going to have a lot of guys coming back. You should have your two leaders in AJ Hogarth, Jay Nakins next year, especially in the backcourt. You got all these freshmen coming in that are supposed to play pretty well, but again, they're they're prospects. They they they're playing high school basketball right now. It's a shot in the dark at the end of the day. You you can't hate exactly where they're going to be at. And Malik would could still use a final year of eligibility. He's got that COVID year, so I don't know. Yeah, I I just think the hardest part about that is you're setting yourself up for. Um, really high expectations for next season if yeah. you, I, if if you can't close out at least the Big Ten season on a high note. 
I talked about it on this very podcast at the end of last year, though. I would rather Malik go. We have seen the likes of Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, Marcus Bingham Jr., Malik Hall, Joey Hauser for so many years, and I'm so tired of it. Fresh blood. Yeah, exactly. Let AJ be here because he surely wants to be. Let AJ and Jaden run the backcourt next year. We haven't seen enough of Aikens. Like, we've seen... AJ's been here a while too, and his time is coming up as Which well. Which is crazy too, because he's still. Only I a remember junior. when he was a freshman. That was yeah. my first year yeah. here. Yeah, that was, that was the COVID year. But yeah. uh, you know, imagine if Hauser and Hall and who was the other one we were Walker. talking about? Uh, yeah, Tyson. Tyson. Imagine if those three left. It'd feel like a completely new. Oh, those yeah. three leave, and then they bring the four that they have coming in, and AJ's running the point with Aikens on the wing, and those other three. Aikens as your two guard, and then. And possibly some of the best shooters around. Let Tom decide from there. I don't even care who starts (laughs) at that point. But that would be more fun than Malik's back out there again. Because also, also, if you bring these guys in, right, if you keep them, say, I mean, I know Joey has to go, so like you'd have to take that out of account. But like, even if a guy like Malik comes back, you can't just bring Malik Hall off the bench. You right, could, right. but you're and not he, going. He would, he you're not a fully year. healthy so, like, Malik Hall would not these, be coming off the bench. If these players came back, it kind of it's going to stunt the growth of these freshmen that are coming in that probably need to start right away to get the best, most potential out of them. They're probably good. A lot of them and are probably good, good enough. enough. That's are, what I'm yeah. saying. I mean, they're good Booker, enough. Booker, Booker, I think, is expected Fears. to start yeah. when he gets here. Fears, maybe yeah. not. Just maybe not, because Gary Hogarth. but. Does Fears take minutes over? We, we got to save that conversation okay, yeah. for end of the season. End of the but. season, uh, in fact, is on. But I mean, no, for sure. I mean, Booker for sure. You think has to start next year? Like probably for sure. Unle- I mean, but Tom is best. not uh, one to go against seniority. So I mean, he's you know, it's not Tom. He's not as flexible as others. Right. All right. Well, let's leave the past, or let's leave the future in the future. I guess I should say. Let's move on to the more near future. What's coming up for Michigan State? Obviously, they're going to hit the road this weekend. They're off to Columbus. We've talked about it at length. They just do not play well there. But fortunately for Michigan State, the Buckeyes are really bad. Like, this is not a good basketball team in the slightest. Wait, can I also say they're one more thing? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so it, this is no longer a noon tip for Michigan State, and they've sucked at those lately. Yeah. And so this is a 1 p.m., yeah, so 1 maybe they have that extra, hour, the extra of, hour to sleep. Of sleep. I don't know <laughs> what has to happen, but we'll see what happens at a 1 p.m. tip. And also they're not playing Indiana or Purdue, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> right. Um, they're, again, they're playing Ohio State, and let's, let's introduce the Buckeyes to you guys, I guess, a little bit. They're 11 and 12. They have lost nine out of their last 10 games that only win – being against the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, they are th- at home. At home, they are three and nine in the Big Ten. They play Northwestern tonight at home, so that'll be their last tune-up game before Sunday. Um, but out of those nine losses that they've had in the last ten games, two of those have been at home to Minnesota and at Nebraska. It's Minnesota's only Big Ten road win of the year, a game where they came in and dominated the Buckeyes. So, this is a not a good team. They're going to be playing on Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament, but they are 8-3 and three at home this season. And again, the Spartans never seem to play well in Columbus. I guess just what are your guys' preliminary thoughts about this matchup? Well, Ohio State is terrible. But um, they do somehow... I saw a tweet literally today, uh, right before my second class, um, or maybe it was just after, that said, you know, I hate these people online who don't understand... <laughs> the metric rankings in college basketball. The net doesn't make any sense. St. Mary shouldn't be that high in the net. 
And so there was one about Ohio State, and it's like Ohio State has lost nine to ten, and they're like they pretty said. high in the net. Ohio State's thirty fourth in the net, and also thirty fourth in Ken Palm, and it's because they have a top fifteen offense in the country. Okay, they don't turn the ball over. They get a bunch of offensive rebounds. They shoot the ball well from three, and they don't get they don't give up blocks or steals. Their opponents just don't do that much to them. So Ohio State's bad at shooting free throws. They don't. They're very similar to Michigan State, where um, they don't turn it over a bunch, but they don't force any turnovers either. So, hopefully, a low turnover game, or maybe just the inverse will happen, and it'll be twelve turnovers aside for both of these teams. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I like this game for Michigan State. I think this is the one they win or must. Win. I think they must win the next yes. two. They just have to. But the reason is is because of that game tonight. Ohio State plays Northwestern. Not only That's do be they a have grind a out game. Yeah. Northwestern is gonna give them hell. Really good. Um they finally got out of that stretch where they played what, like four games in eight days. Yeah. So like they're they're they finally got some rest. But yeah. But Northwestern is gonna wear Ohio State down. And not only is it a game in between their previous game and Michigan State, um, but it's two less days of rest. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State had their game on Tuesday. They get Wednesday, Thursday to rest. Ohio State doesn't get to rest till tomorrow. Now they don't have that travel day in there because they're going to stay at home. And that yeah, does do a little but bit, like but... Eh. Uh, Michigan State will be in Columbus yeah. probably by two p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, no, which I, I think is plenty of time. Um, maybe even earlier than that. Honestly, I don't know how early Tom gets him up on a travel day to practice because they practice and then leave typically. Um, but yeah, this is a game I feel like Michigan State has to win. There's just not a lot of. Uh, Production on Ohio State side besides Sensabaugh and Justice Suing, who Justice Suing has been so completely overrated, in my opinion, in his career at Ohio State. I mean, he's always had decent numbers, but he's never done anything important for them. And it seems like whenever he's been in a spot to make a good decision, and maybe I'm thinking of the Purdue turnover this year, which I just happened to catch live. But it seems like anytime Justice Suing is in a position to make a good decision, he doesn't. He had a really in the game. good year two years ago, obviously, when Ohio State made that run in the Big Ten tournament, got the two seed. Was that the Oral Roberts yeah, and then loss? Yeah, they lost yeah. Oral Roberts. And which he played terribly yeah. that game. And then he missed all of last season because he was injured. Comes back this season suing at 12.5 points, almost five rebounds, two assists. He's basically running the point guard for this team. And that's one of the things about this Ohio State team that makes no sense the way they are assembled. They have no point guard. They have nobody that you can trust to bring the ball up. You'll see Suing do it. You're going to see Sensabaugh bring it up. Thornton will bring it up. Uh, McNeil will bring it up. Isaac Likely, who is like a massive forward. Who is a four, you know? He, he's usually bringing the ball up. Zed Key will even bring it up. Their center, who's smaller than Marty Sissoko. Yeah. I, like, Ohio State is literally just like, Eight guys who are all the exact same player. And one of them is really, really good and really, really talented. That's probably sensible. The rest of them are just kind of I. And obviously, Bryce Sensible in the year two, 17 points, five and a half rebounds, one assist. He's been phenomenal. I see you have here in parentheses next to Sensible's name, one of, if not the best freshman in the Big Ten. I have a name for you. And that name is. Two names, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and they're both from the state of Indiana. Can you guess who they are? Well, one is Fletcher Lawyer. Yes. And the, the other, other is Jalen Hutchifino. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, I, part of it is winning. 
Part of it is winning. It should and be. And I'll it should Fletcher be. Lawyer and Jalen Hutchfino both have two veteran bigs who are the best in the country. I mean, I was making the case, too. Sensible yeah. will be on the Big Ten all-freshman team. Oh, absolutely. Easily. He still yeah. might be He probably he still will still win freshman of the year. Of the year. Yeah. Just because of the numbers he's putting up and the fact that he's literally carrying this Ohio State team but, as a freshman. There's and But again, carrying them to... One win in their last ten, you know. But also, but like, did you guys see that Jalen Hunchefino layup against Maryland the other night? It was, it was. I think it was Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! If you you got to go look it up oh, and yeah, do our listeners it. at home too. It was kind of like the Hakeem Hart one where Hauser yeah. fouled him intentionally. Uh-huh. Drove Eurostep from left to right, fouled, spun around, threw it oh, up. Oh, is it the Purdue one? Spinning? You mean? No, it wasn't. It, I think it was Maryland because it, okay. it was Maryland. He had a wild one. It was Purdue spinning. Too. It was spinning in the air and didn't even hit the glass and just. Right in the bucket. It was so nice. He had one against Purdue, too, when they were trying to ice the game late. Yeah, and that Purdue was a nice needed one. needed to stop. I did see that. And he went off to the side and flipped it up off the yeah. top. That was beautiful. Yeah. This one was just like that Hakeem Hart one, though. Yeah. Got turned around, getting fouled. Didn't even see where up. he was throwing yeah. it at. Yeah. It was sweet. Yeah. But, yeah, this is a game Michigan State needs to win. It, it 100% is. Again, this team, I'm not trying to undersell it to any of our listeners either. Like, this team's not good. They're at the bottom with Minnesota and Nebraska for a reason. You know who else needs to win this game? Chris Holtman. He might already be out the <laughs> no, door. But... he is out. <laughs> he is imploding. And actually, I saw the tweet the other day uh, that said, like, Tom Izzo reached out to him or something after the whole incident against, what was it, when he got ejected against, what's their oh, face? Oh, yeah. Um, I vaguely remember and he's, that. And he had, like, a bunch of people, like, coaches, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. this, your team needs you to kind of have your head right now. And he's, he just seems like he's lost that team. And he's been a very good recruiter. He had the number one class in uh, the Big Ten this season. He has the number two class in the Big Ten next season behind Michigan State. Um, he did well in the transfer portal. Got guys like Likely, Sean McNeil. Um, but they're just and they started off the year really well. Like they got ranked. Yeah, yeah. They had a, they had a who big their, showing in Maui. Win? They had a they had a good. Uh, well, Texas Tech looked like a good win that Maui. early in the they, year. They, they lost. To... They blew that game to North Carolina. Also, and that's when it started yeah. to spiral. Also, Texas Tech is. I just want to for our. Um, they lost to Duke. Re- resident college basketball fans out there beyond the city of East Lansing. Texas Tech is a great team, but they just play in the okay. Big Twelve and happen to be there's every year. It's seven good Big 12 teams and one horrid one, and it's Texas Tech, who has two wins in the Big 12. Well, that's what happens when you lose your but leading score. I love Mark Adams. No, and two, Illinois, Taryn Shannon Jr. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Love, no, and they also him. went toe-to-toe to toe with North Carolina before they self-destruct. Yeah, weren't they, they up late in that game? No, Ohio State was up in that game really late. Really, by really like late. And then they went seven. overtime. They went in overtime, lost, and then they, they lost to Duke as well, a game that they could have won. In Cameron. Duke's um, bad, too. <laughs> like, they could have beaten both of those teams, and it, it would have looked better. But after that North Carolina loss, they blew that game against Purdue that they had. And then, obviously, the suing turnover, the Fletcher Lawyer 3, Purdue wins that game. They haven't, they've won one game since. Let's, let's put this in perspective for our listeners at home, how bad Ohio State is. <laughs> Ohio State has one win inside the top 30 of Ken Palm this year, and it's Rutgers at home by a singular point. Yeah, and then they went to Rutgers and <laughs> lost. Um, by four. Yeah, I they, they played more. Rutgers close twice. Now, yeah. they're playing Northwestern tonight, who they curb-stomped in Evanston earlier this year. It's, yeah. It was their most dominant Big Ten win of the year by far, maybe besides that Iowa game. Which, to those, to all you net naysayers out there, take a look at Northwestern. They're so good this year. They're going to be a top-four seed in the Big Ten, and they're 57th in Ken Palm, and I think in the net outside the top 40. So, 
Northwestern's yeah. a good basketball well, team. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Ohio State is really bad. Uh, you're, we're going to get our predictions for that game in a second. First, let's just take a quick look at the game next week that we will not. <laughs> you want to talk about bad? <laughs> we're not going to get to before we record next week. But Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, come in next week. If that game will be at the Breslin Center, Brendan and I will be back on the call for that game. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about bad? This team is really bad. They are seven and fifteen. They're one and eleven in the Big Ten. Of course, that one win came at Ohio State. I was going to say, <laughs> you know what's funny about this bad team opposed to the last bad team we were just talking it's about? This bad team beat that bad. So, team. Like, well, if that and Minnesota's got a better coach than Ohio State. They do. Ben Johnson. I, I love mean, Ben it- Johnson. Ben Johnson is a resident name on this podcast from the last two years with Luke Sloan and, and Trent Bally. Him and Micah Shrewsbury. Yeah, Micah <laughs> Micah Schnozberry. We we got plenty of Mike Woodson in on this podcast too which will surely come back in the Big Ten tournament. But, yeah, love Ben Johnson. Such a bummer. I mean, Minnesota, they just got to get – They don't have to. They got to get a recruit. Yeah. yeah but if this doesn't talent. tell you how badly Michigan State needs to win these next two games, yeah. they're must wins. What are, what are these These teams are combined 18 and 27, and 37? And 20 in the Big Ten combined. Yeah. 4 and 20 in oh. the Big Ten. Um, it, it's, it's bad. And Minnesota's coming off, they just got – they just got drubbed by 40 to Maryland yeah. at home. Pummeled. In the barn, too. Like, that wasn't even it. Maryland's a bad road team. We just talked about this. And they went and punked Minnesota by 40. Um, they are dealing with a bit of a COVID issue right now. Um, that's why they had to postpone their last game against Illinois. Yeah. They have a stretch coming up where they're going to play four games in nine days. Michigan State's going to be one of those games. I, I mean, it, um, it's not really fair because State had to do it during the COVID year. But, like... By that same token, you get COVID, you got to reschedule and play a bunch of I mean, games it's, at once. It's the two are different too because Michigan State had to have those games in the COVID year just to make yeah. the tournament. Minnesota, unless they get, unless a miracle happens and they win the Big Ten tournament, which <laughs> you guys can come, you know, that would get be on us on the show. The craziest <laughs> thing in the history of sports. <laughs> if Minnesota, the only way they're making the tournament is if if a miracle happens and they win the Big Ten tournament. So the apocalypse happens. These yeah. ones yeah. don't right. matter as much, and that would be talk about a. Bubble buster right there. That would be <laughs> yeah. Minnesota sniping a bit in Chicago. But uh, nonetheless, yes, this team is not very good. As a team, they only shoot 30% from three, which that's horrendous to think about. Like That's really bad. So, again, this Minnesota team, not great. Two very winnable games coming up for Michigan State. You could call them must-win games, but I don't ever like to talk like that. Let's just get into the predictions for Ohio State coming up this weekend. Who wins final score? Brendan, I see you already put it down, so I guess we can start with you. Yeah, I got 100-1 to 1, Michigan <laughs> State. Uh, no, Ohio State is bad, but so is Michigan State's offense, and this just is screaming another, I'm going to say, 69-60 to 60 Michigan yeah, State nice win. Like a still, still low scoring, still... Bad basketball. I don't think and this still is still an unimpressive Michigan State win. Over win. That's what I'm saying. I don't think this is going to be a clean game by any stretch. I think this is going to be sloppy. This is going to be one of those games that you're going to look at halftime and you're going to be like, one of these teams is winning these ga- this game, and I have no idea how. Um, but Luke, I guess you're up. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 66 to 57. I like that one better than mine. Ohio State's offense I, I might feel, be worse. I still feel confident they're going to go over that 65-point mark, but it, I just feel like I, could see I, this f- game. I feel like they're going to uh, fumble it like they almost did. <laughs> I could see this game being 20-13 like, to 13 at halftime. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, absolutely, it's, like super here's easy. the thing. Ohio State's going to go one or two ways, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And since they're at home, it could go the good way for them. They're either going to score 50 or they're going to put up like 75 um, because – 
I've seen games this season where Ohio State just gets stupid hot from the field. They it, it, That Iowa game comes to mind. They put up like 75 points, and they're like, this is the best team in the Big Ten. And then they have other nights where they score 45. Um, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I'm going to go with... I'll go with Michigan State. I think they do win this one. I'll give them 60. Oh, Michael, I also have to give you props for you guessed the clo- the closest score in that Rutgers game. Oh, I did? But, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the, what but I said. The other way, but the other way around. <laughs> I think that was you to win. <laughs> yeah, he, he did 62 to 58 Michigan State. You got the numbers. The reality is that Rutgers took that 61 to 55. You know, Brendan, Brendan talked me into it. He convinced me that they were going to win Brendan has talked me into a lot <laughs> of did. things that I, I did. I'm And usually, again, of. as Brendan said, he's usually the pessimist. Yeah. And then the one time he gets it positive. Tells, it tells you how bad that loss was, man. <laughs> like, they just should have won that game. My I logic told, was so sound in picking them. I told, I'm the only one that picked Rutgers to win this game. I'll go with... Uh, uh, and for this game, though, coming up, I'll take Michigan State to beat the Buckeyes 68-59. to I think it's a nine-point win. Again, I we talk about Michigan State's offense being bad. And although although Ken Palm and the, the metrics and whatever whatever you you know follow says Ohio State's a good offense, they're not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a flat-out lie. It's a flat-out lie. Um, I think they hold them under 60 there. You're not a the Ken Palm naysayer, are you? I'm not, but like I don't subscribe to say, it. We have beef if you're a Ken Palm naysayer. I'm not gonna. It's I the mean, greatest website in the history I'm of not websites. Gonna, I don't. To me, it's just not worth subscribing to. I'm not That's gonna, crazy. Like, you miss out on all the it. good stuff. It's only like twenty bucks a whole year. Yeah, I guess. But nonetheless, See, here we go again. Brendan convincing us into <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden, we're all gonna come back with Ken Palm subscriptions. Next no, you're week, gonna but. you're gonna look at that website though, and look at this page and see all the pretty colors so and I can all go the information see with all the green on it. Exactly, <laughs> Purdue, bro. You click on Purdue. Look how green this thing is. Well, there's, that's there's just like, their win. There's like three red. No, but look at over here. That's all. Oh. The, that's where they rank in the metrics. Yeah. The better the green, the most. The, okay, go pull up the Ohio State page. Purdue is two, one, and one. Uh, ranked in different metrics. Ohio State's kind of pretty on the offensive side. Okay. 16th like, in the country. Like I said, Ohio State is, has one of those teams. Down there is nice and green. They're going to score 50 or 80. I don't know yeah. where it's going to be. But nonetheless, we all are taking Michigan State to beat Ohio State this weekend. And that'll do it this week as well. Brendan and I will be back on the call next week for that game at home against Minnesota. Oops, Luca will oops, be around oops, as well oops, to write for oops, that game. Oops, oops, and we'll oops. see you guys next week on Impact Is Own. Have a great day.